Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, and our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did, and we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. So we went from producers to reproducers. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to talk about topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We make it look easy. We make it look good. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. I'm pretty sure we already have. So, welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and Apparently, my family is the only family on the planet that is not jumping on the pet bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did, <laughs> you act like you're not surprised. Yeah. Did you know that 85 million families own a pet? 85 million. That's crazy. That breaks down to, because I'm a numbers person, I like, <laughs> no, let's look at this a different way. That breaks down to 67% of households, according to a 2019 national pet survey. Okay. A national pet owner survey. Okay. I know you have a doggy in your house, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you cave. Yeah, so we, we adopted, we rescued an Irish Wheaton Terrier uh, when she was six months old, and we thought, who would give up an Irish Wheaton Terrier? And then we learned why. Because <laughs> she's oh. nuts. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, she's cray. Um, did you know what the number one pet out there is? It might surprise you. I, so, my thought would be cats. Because, you know, it seems like really? everyone's got cats. I would think a dog. I, well, so I went and looked it up. Did you know there are 139.9 million Nemos out there? Nem- like fish? Fish. What? Yeah. Ew. 94.2 million cats. Okay, so close. Okay, so ca- you were kind of right. Right. Because um, I dismissed fish. 89.7 million dogs. 20 million birds. All right, that's cray. Uh, so I, I would have thought dogs would be more, but maybe that's because if I were to buy a pet, I'd probably buy a dog. Well, and I'm you, allergic to cats. You and I are allergic to cats, <laughs> but but cats are easier. You can like leave town, and you don't have to take them out to have them. Right, but you still have to like feed them. Yes, <laughs> and it is expected in 2019 when this year's over, Americans will spend 75.3 billion. That's billion with a B. Yep, dollars on their pets. Yep. It, it boggles my mind. Well, until you have a pet, you do not know I how much they cost. Did oh. you have a pet growing up? Yeah. All right. So I can say, like, we were pet family. We started with goldfish, mm-hmm. and my sister couldn't say fishy, so she said shishi. And so then we got another <laughs> one named hee and then we got hermit crabs, and then we got a cat, to which I was allergic, but we kept it anyway. And you found out after the fact? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then we got a uh, yellow lab, and then we got a Wheaton terrier. And then we got another Wheaton Terrier. Oh, so, so it's in your blood to have a Wheaton. Yeah, because okay. I, I gave birth to it. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Yes, like, exactly. you have an obvious affinity for that. Yes, because they don't type. shed. So oh, that's okay. the thing I liked. Yes. Well, so I'm a realist. I did have a dog growing up, so just so everyone knows, because you might think at the end of this episode that I might be a hater. You're a cold but, and, and but, heartless woman. <laughs> I have no soul. <laughs> But um, I did have a dog, and his name was Scoshi. And after years of reflection, I can tell you that um, 
I know what would happen in my house if we had a pet. Okay? What would happen? So we begged my parents for ever to have a dog okay my sister my baby sister actually pretended to be a dog you know getting on all fours on the my like, daughter bark, did that bark like a dog yeah. yeah my daughter did that yeah she did that swearing she'd take care of, we're oh mom yes we're oh, we'll clean up poop we're gonna do it <laughs> like i promise i promise and ultimately we we kind of lied because it was really fun for like an know, hour <laughs> A little bit, because when they're puppies, they're so cute, and you're like, oh, but then, you know, when it's cold out, and you don't want to go outside and walk the dog, or go out and pick up the hard poop in the yard, yep. we didn't do it, and so, God bless my mom, she did. Ultimately, long story short, the dog went off to a farm. Oh, to live happily ever after. Yes. Well, that's oh. that's the story, and it's that's been the story for as long as I can remember, so... Basically, we all, my sisters and I also kind of joke about it today, but I know what's going to happen. So all this to say, I'm happy that people love pets. Yes. God bless you all. Um, my <laughs> kids can go to your house and play with them and pet them and, and everything. And if they come to my house, they won't want a dog because my dog is so nuts. Wow. We so, need to come over a little more often. <laughs> we need to come over. So you've talked about doing a pet episode for a really long time. And so I figured we can't push this off anymore. I believe it. If if 85 million American families have pets, this is something that obviously lots of people like. And this is also timely because a lot of people decide to get a pet for Christmas. And there are some repercussions there. Oh. You know, you get a puppy and then like come New Year's, you're like, wait, what about this? <laughs> New Year's a week later. Yeah, maybe, yeah, wow. So to bring to talk about bringing a pet into your home, we decided to call the pet expert. The expert. No, really, really is. Right. Steve Dale is a certified American. Steve Dale, American. Well, he is American. <laughs> he is American. <laughs> Steve Dale is a certified animal behavior consultant mm -hmm. and has been a trusted voice in the world of pet health for more than 20 years. You've seen his work in newspapers, magazines, journals. He's on the radio. He's done TV bits. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Hey, guys, how are you? <laughs> I've never had an introduction quite like that. And, you know, I've been enjoying your conversation back and forth, but I have instantly 5,000 comments. First of all, I am curious about what you think about this, being the numbers person you are, Tracy. <laughs> yes. All right. There are, in fact, more pets, companion animals in America than there are children. Oh, really? That mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. You know, people who grow up with pets, it turns out, have far more empathy. I'm just going to jump in. Oh, right. Than, than others who, who don't. And we know that learning to be kind to animals has numerous benefits to it uh, that turn out to help people at, at learn responsibility when they're young but actually have benefits later in life as well. We know that through many studies that have now been done and done over and over again from around the world that demonstrate all the same thing. You know, no one forces families, and clearly no one's forced you, <laughs> to have a companion animal. I mean, the government doesn't come in as far as I know and say you must have a pet. It's a choice that people make, and they make that same choice in Brazil. They make that same choice in Japan. They make that same choice in China. They make that same choice uh, in England, and they make the same choice here in the United States, of course. It's a choice that's made. 
So despite the fact that there's some work involved with living with crazy dogs, Ann, mm-hmm. there's some, some financial commitment, right, for veterinary care and for the pet's food and its daily well-being, not to mention buying toys and all those things, of which in this country we do a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Halloween time, our numbers that we spend now on buying pet costumes alone are in the multi-multi-millions of dollars. I know. I see it on Facebook, Instagram. I see all these costumes. Yeah, yeah. because of the bond we have, which is, in fact, intensified with millennials. So uh, the human-animal bond has always been there, and increasingly over the decades, more and more people and Ten years ago, about 90% of the people said that they consider pets family members. Now that number is nearly 100, and it's been driven up by millennials. Uh, using terms like fur babies, yep, they, yeah. are their, they are their babies, literally, in many cases, because they either have children later in life or their pets are their kids. Right. Well, Steve, look, I want to backtrack a little bit, because um, I read that there is a really good time to introduce a pet to the family in that you don't want to do it too early because the kids won't understand any responsibilities, but you don't want to do it too late because then the kids will have their feet out the door and they won't they won't take part of it and they won't bond with the pet. So someone told me eight is a really good age to introduce a pet and, and let the kids learn how to take part in the caregiving. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, what do you think? Well, I think that's absolutely right. And but but how often can we do that unless you have one child who's 8 years old. So, typically most people don't have a kid, they have several, and one might be 8, but the other is going to be older or younger, right? Sure. So, sure. you you kind of have to figure out what's best for your family. I I would suggest there's no absolute rule to that. Just know this that if you have a toddler, now you have essentially with the pet, another toddler in the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's some extra work. And it really also depends on the kind of pet you're getting. And always, I don't necessarily advise beginning with a cat or a dog. Well, uh, a pet guinea pig might be the best way to start. Well, so, we're, we're going to ask you that, though. So is, is, there, is there a progression? Should you, you know, we started with the girls with fish, because we wanted to teach them something, and um, I will regret that to the day I die, because the fish were very stinky. But um, is is there some way, like, so guinea pig is warm and cuddly, unlike fish, but not as big and doesn't need to go outside, right? Well, what happened to the fish that they were stinky? Is that what you said? <laughs> Maybe you didn't clean the tank enough, Anne. The, 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 the tank got dirty a lot. You know, they poop in their own water. Well, then you clean it. <laughs> no, that was gross. Anyway, <laughs> there's your problem right there. <laughs> Depending on the kind of fish. So if you have beta fish, by the way, are the best starter fish in many ways because they really don't need as much work. They don't need an aerated tank. So a bowl with water in it is just fine for a beta fish, but, a single but, fish. But if they you have two, don't eat. they eat each other? What? Well, that's why I said a single fish. Uh-huh. They don't uh-huh. want to live necessarily with another fish, or at least they won't do so happily, because they might attack one another uh, for territory. Uh, it's not a matter of them wanting to eat one another. It's a matter of territory. So one will 
potentially, depending on the sex of the betta fish you get, attack another betta fish. So a single betta fish, easy, single, one, is, is not a bad way to start. The problem with goldfish is that uh, we're under so many misconceptions about goldfish, it's actually best to have them in an aerated tank. There are lots of easy-to-keep, small, aerated tanks that you can keep a goldfish or two or three in if you so desire to do that. So that could be a great way to start. I mentioned guinea pigs on purpose because, well, hamsters are okay. Pet rats are incredibly intelligent, actually. Uh, Guinea pigs are a little more sturdy, uh, and they can more likely, more easily be handled than because kids do like to handle. Mm-hmm. But, you know, always, always, I don't care if it's a guinea pig or a, a pet dog or a pet cat or a pet parrot or ferret, whenever, and this is rule number one, always adult supervision, unless that child is, you know, 12 years old or older, and that's an approximate age gauge. But if they're young kids, always adult supervision, because that way we can avoid injuries to animals or kids. There are still too many dog bites happening, Mm -hmm. uh, and most of those dog bites uh, can be avoided. And with other animals, it's not necessarily a matter of them biting because they're being aggressive. So one misconception are bunnies. People think rabbits and kids are great together. In fact, a rabbit, a pet rabbit with a young child, is exactly the last pet I probably would get. Because what do you call a fear of heights? Is that agoraphobia? That's a fear of the outdoors, right? Uh, right? B- bunnies don't have that. Um, uh, heidophobia? I don't think that's quite <laughs> that. But you made a word, hashtag. <laughs> oh, it's going to trend now. Go but ahead. Is it because when kids pick up the bunnies, they get scared? Yeah. So uh, rabbits actually do have a fear of heights in that they don't, and they also don't like to be picked up. Young kids like to hug mm-hmm. anything because we're primates. That's what we do. We're born that way. Mm-hmm. We're hardwired to hug. So when even, think of it, even when you went to the kids' zoo with the kids and there's a pygmy goat or something, an animal that is not easy to hug, kids first go to hug that animal. So they go to hug a rabbit And the rabbit oftentimes gets terrified. They also may want to pick up the rabbit. Mm -hmm. So rabbits that fall from high places, meaning only three or four feet off the ground, can die (gasps) as a result of that, uh, of injuries incurred as a result. Also, they may bite because they are terrified, and they don't like being smothered is their perspective. Uh, They don't like being hugged. So they really don't make for the best, pets for also rabbits like predictability and when you're a three-year-old running around the house going that way that way that way that way that's not predictable no rabbits get sometimes scared of that now some rabbits that grow up with kids especially if you get a baby bunny uh do learn that this is the way those crazy kids are absolutely but again adult supervision my point is know what you're getting some pets are better than others for young children Young children that like to watch or understand you can watch, a leopard gecko is great. A bearded dragon can be okay. But again, the first of those two reptiles you're not going to pick up and play with. Uh, they will invariably then get lost in the house and run away and die. Oh. And, and for the bearded dragon, they can be picked up and interacted with, which is not the case with all reptiles so much. Uh, but you need adult supervision to do it. Mostly so the reptile doesn't get hurt in this particular case. 
but you also need appropriate husbandry, so you have to do your homework. If you get a cat or a dog, here's what I don't understand. And, and you guys are parents who are expert and can tell me the answer to oh, this. Oh, excellent. So, let's say one of your kids, when your kids were young, goes to an electric outlet and goes to put his or her finger into the outlet, how do you react as a parent? We scream and swoop them up. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. What if same same child goes to a dog and pulls the tail of the dog? Yeah, well, you, you're setting the, the child up to be bitten, right? <laughs> well, I'm saying... It's excitable. Parent, well, the parents generally, in my experience, don't respond quite the same way. They either think that dogs or cats should learn to tolerate this, or they respond by saying, no, don't do that, which is way different than, oh, my child is going to die, and swooping up the kid, you know? Right. Even, even, I'm no expert on children, and I am no expert on children, but I do believe cognitively they understand the difference between a panicked mom. Right. Yeah. The yeah. adrenaline is like really pumping. Uh, or a mom who's doing not much of anything about it, or maybe saying, because it's the right thing to say, don't do that, but without the same passion. And and then when our dogs turn around and do something we don't want them to do, or cats, as a result, the animal loses. The animal gets blamed. And even if we don't blame the animal, uh, then the animal still loses. So if they if a dog bites a child, it's the dog always that's going to lose, and I'm not suggesting it should be otherwise. What I am saying, though, with parent supervision and appropriate supervision of both both sides of this, uh, then those things can't happen. So you kind of talked brief, briefly touched on this, but is there such a thing as picking a breed or a type of pet based on the family's personality, like the family dynamic, like, oh, you know, a cat wouldn't be a good idea for that family or a dog. This breed of dog is probably not great for this. Is, is, this, is that such a thing? Yeah, it is a thing. It's a great thing and a great question uh, because the reality is, so the thinking now is that a dog is a dog is a dog and it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter because you have thousands of years of breeding into what that dog was originally bred to do, and its personality reflects that. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me give you an example. Uh, A Dalmatian became really popular, way too popular, after 101 Dalmatians first came out. And then when it came out again, same thing. And when it came out yet again, same thing happened. And they're not a dog for everyone. Uh, They were bred originally to run with horses when horses drove the fire trucks to fires. And they would run through towns and run miles, maybe 20 miles. So if you're a long-distance runner and also can harness the energy of that dog, that's fine. Uh, But if not, probably not the best choice. Now, having said that, Every dog is absolutely an individual, and, and personalities do vary. And the way the dog, any dog, individual dog, is socialized has a ton of di- to do with what that personality is going to be. So that brings up another point. If you go to a shelter and pick any dog of any breed or any mix and just say, that one's for me, that dog may have had no experience with young children. 
And always, if you go to a shelter, great place to get a dog or cat, not knocking it, bring your kids with you and talk to the staff and the adoption counselors and to see what experience they have. If you're adopting from an animal with a foster home, make sure that foster home, if you can, has young children or have exposed the dog or cat to young children so you know how they respond. Animals that have not been socialized with young children sometimes are not the best choices for young kids. I have a question, uh, the personal one, Steve. Our dog is a, a terrier, and she's very chill when we're home, and like she's pretty much, she sleeps, right? But the minute we leave the house, she goes nuts. She doesn't want us to leave. And when someone comes into our house, she goes nuts and barks and, you know, and um, it's it's like she's territorial or protective. Is that something terriers do? Are they, are they, is that a thing? It can be a thing. So you're asking uh, two different questions there. So it could be that your dog has some level of separation anxiety or separation distress when you leave the house. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of things that you can do to help your dog, depending on the level of separation distress or anxiety that dog has, Mm -hmm. which I can talk to you about. Uh, The other side of that is when people come in, I don't know, I assume, based on your description, I assume your dog is happy to see people and is just excited. Uh, If those barks are... and the little red flag in my head went off when you said territorial. So if your dog you're thinking is going to potentially bite someone who's coming in the house, that's a completely different answer. But but the good news is all those problems can be fixed. We've, we've hired a couple of trainers, and the, um, but I'll, <laughs> we'll take this off the air. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you about it yeah. off the air. Or... Another reason to do another podcast, I think. There we go. uh, I I do want to say one more thing that comes to mind. You said earlier, uh, this is a great time to do this interview, but maybe it's not because people shouldn't get their pets over the holidays. Yep. Notice how I said that? Yeah, but I'm bumped. Good job. So uh, when getting a pet over the holidays, uh, that actually turns out to be the old thinking was, don't go to a shelter over Christmas, and some shelters still even, not many, but some actually close their doors around Christmas because they don't want pay people to make an impulsive choice. Well, it turns out that we, I'm, I like science. I'm not very good with those numbers that you like, Tracy, but I like them. <laughs> so uh, we now know, based on studies, that that is actually not true. And it's the same as adopting a dog in May or July or any other month. And if you have adoption counselors at the shelter or rescue that are asking appropriate questions, then you're just careful about who adopts that animal. There's no guarantee at any time of year that people aren't going to come back with that animal. And in fact, typically when people adopt a dog or a cat, it actually works out. What I hear about, of course, because I do what I do, are those that don't work out. But for the most part, it it really does. Some shelters and rescues go crazy. And it's easier to actually adopt a child, I believe, than adopt a dog. And it should never be that way. That's wrong. Others, though, are uh, too loosey-goosey, if you will. Anyone that comes in, sure, take the dog. But most, the overwhelming majority, do it correctly. uh, And they ask appropriate questions that really should be asked to make sure that you're a right fit. And, in fact, if they're really doing it right, a right fit for that individual dog based on what they believe that dog's temperament probably is. So if that dog has no exposure to children, 
Not a good idea. If they cat tested that dog and know that that dog is really aggressive around cats, and you have seven cats in your house, probably not a good idea that that dog goes into your house. So they can offer advice based on what they know about that animal. Sure. Um, we, you talked a little bit about expenses, and I, you know, I wanted to bring this up. You know, there's the expense of adopting um, or buying a dog. There's the expense of grooming. There's the food. There are the checkups. But the things that we didn't realize were, you know, the expense of you know emergency room visits when the dog eats something that she's not supposed to, or the fact that my dog ate one shoe of every pair I had. Oh no! <laughs> or she also chewed through some wires in our car. Cost Ooh. cost thousands of dollars. So when people are thinking about getting a pet, they have to really be prepared to change their financial sort of outlook. And then do you suggest pet health insurance? So that, did you notice that, that big sigh? Uh, And that's only because it's a complicated issue here, actually. So yes, there's no doubt that having a companion animal of any kind is going to be some additional expense. I, I don't care if we're talking about a pet lizard uh, or a pet bird, and the pet parrots, we haven't touched on that. They're brilliant. They are so smart. But many of those species live to 80 years or more oh my and God. could outlive the people that purchase that animal. Uh, and you need a plan for that. Uh, and, of course, most people were talking dogs and cats. Yeah. Pet insurance can be great. Uh, pet insurance has two basic formulas now. One pays for uh, about everything. So you go in for a wellness exam, the vaccines you get, even if you purchase flea tick products through your veterinarian, and definitely for more urgent problems. And they pay about 30 to 40% or so, some less, some more, and it depends. They may pay certain things for certain problems, et cetera, but it's in that range. Other pet insurance does not have anything to do. You have to pay for your own vaccines. They don't pay it. Uh, wellness exams, they don't pay it. They're there for the emergencies. And and they will pay 75 to 90% of your dog gets tragically hit by a car mm. and needs to go to the emergency clinic. Uh, your cat has eaten something your cat really shouldn't be eating. And now, again, you have to go to the emergency clinic. They will pay the overwhelming majority of it. So it's it depends on your own philosophy. As, as to the kind of insurance you want. Is pet insurance a good idea? In general, I say yes, but let me back up one step and, and talk about the cost of veterinary medicine, which people gripe about, and I understand that. But I also believe it's the best bargain in medicine. So, sadly, uh, have either of you guys known anyone who's had cancer? Yes. Yes. Of course. And sadly, all of us, all of you listening, have known someone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So let's say you go in for surgery. I know it depends on the kind of surgery, but just in general. And and then have uh, six weeks of chemotherapy afterwards, some other drugs to counteract the chemotherapy, and the cost of the visits themselves, the cost of a hospital stay, uh, and all of that for a human being would add up to literally about three-quarters of a million dollars or more. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it could be literally a million dollars. Mm -hmm. Literally. 
So not for so for, not for the pets, though, right? Not for no. Them. It's the same chemotherapy. I'd argue it's the same expertise to do the surgery. It, it can be the exact same kind of cancer. Dogs, uh, in particular, but cats also uh, do get the same exact kinds of cancers that we do. Wow! Uh, so it, it's and this it's the same everything, except a veterinary hospital, not a human hospital. The charge for all of that can be say $5,000. So we're comparing $5,000, maybe more, maybe in a large urban area like the city I live, Chicago, it can be maybe $8,500. So let's say it's $8,500. Let's say it's $10,000. Compared to a million dollars or near that, that's a bargain. The difference is that for the most part, people aren't paying that million dollars. Either their insurance is or the government is or something. Right. Uh, and And... You're paying that, what did I say, 7500 whatever the amount is, you're paying that for your pet. Uh, now, if you have pet insurance, that helps. They'll pay a lot of it, a third of it, half of it, more of it, depending on the kind of insurance you have. Uh, and depending on the cancer coverage, which is a separate thing altogether, which kind of gets tricky uh, because we're talking cancer. Uh, but it's not a bargain if you really don't have that money. So it's a bargain compared to human medicine, but I understand if you don't have that 7500 or whatever I said, whatever that amount is, you don't have it. If you truly don't have it, you don't have it. And let's say you do have it, but that was the kids' college fund starting up, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So I understand the problem. I totally do. And, and the good news and bad news, in a way, is that we can do more in veterinary medicine than when we ever could. And I just toured uh, MedVet Chicago. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing because the equipment, I would argue, rivals anything, and I do mean anything, that your emergency room, the best emergency rooms have that Mayo Clinic has. It, you know, it's, it's the same stuff, and it's the same stuff used as in human medicine with, again, the same training by technicians and nurses and veterinarians, the same expertise. So let's let's back let's let's pretend that I'm considering a dog or a cat. Okay, let's. No, 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 no. <laughs> the promise I made to do this, by the way, <laughs> is that uh, not that I would be paid, but <laughs> because that's not happening. There's a puppy but, right outside your door. <laughs> no. Yes. yes. No. Sorry, Steve. Sorry. Uh, I can't. I cannot commit to that. But let's for all the listeners that um, may be considering uh, a pet right now. Is there something that they need to do to prepare? Uh, is it the house, or is it the same for a cat or a dog? Or like, do you not really have to prepare for a cat compared to a dog and needing, you know, um, the different types of food or whatever? Or if one dog, like my sister, had a dog that actually went to the bathroom inside the house, it was a little dog, and she. Would- <laughs> Yes. When they lived in the city, they would have like the piddle pad or whatever yep. for the dog to go on. So for any families that are, are you know, thinking and entertaining this idea, is there things that you think they should be doing to prep the house and the children beforehand? That's a really good question. I'll tell you why it's a really good question. Have either of you purchased a washing machine in the past 10 years? Yes. Yes. Okay. And before purchasing that machine, did you go online? Did you do a lot of homework? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So people, it turns out, do much more homework overall when purchasing a washing machine than what is about to become a member of your family. 
And I love the idea of talking with a veterinary professional even before, or someone like me, before you make that choice. Because they look at it in a different way than you do. You look at it with a lot of emotion involved in all that, and they look at it based on their knowledge of what the right pet is going to be for you. And then what you're going to need to address your question uh, for that animal. And it really depends on what you're bringing into the house. Now, obviously, uh, some toys. Mm -hmm. uh, If we're talking a cat, a scratching post, because I don't want you to declaw your cats. We're talking, and by the way, you can have young kids. They will not be scratched by the cat. And I can talk about that if you want. But a scratch, and it's uh, uh, actually an amputation when you're cutting off those claws. I could talk talk about that. But I don't like the idea of amputating cats uh, when we don't need to do that. Uh, you need a food bowl, you need water dish, you need the food itself, obviously. So those are the obvious things you need and a choice of, if you haven't already made one, uh, a veterinarian, mm-hmm. because those exams should actually start pretty quickly. I don't care where you get the pet from, and I can talk about why as well. But some of it depends on the breed you're going to get. And some of these things, like if you're getting a Rescuing a greyhound, great for you. But if you live in a climate like I do, you also need a sweater or a jacket for that greyhound pretty soon because it's really cold out, and they have about 7 to 11% of body fat, Mm -hmm. which is a problem I wish I had. (laughs) And there's no way they can keep themselves comfortable if it's below 30 degrees or even below 40 degrees. So that's one thing that people instantly may or may not think of, may not, if they don't have previous experience with the dog. So there are those kinds of things as well. Perfect. Those, the, I'm a very practical person, so I would have a checklist because I'm a <laughs> type A personality. Okay, we should do this. We got to get this. We should talk to this person. And then Steve, well, if, do, do you believe in crate training? Yeah, that was my next thing. So thank you. So I was just going to say, and if you happen to be getting a puppy, and not necessarily a young dog, uh, then... Yeah, you need to get a crate, I think. I'm a proponent of crate training for a couple of reasons. Puppies get into trouble when we're not there. Mm-hmm. And and some dogs that we assume, incidentally, like maybe your Wheaton Terrier, uh, that get into trouble when we're not home and we're running a little camera to see what they're doing, they're having a great time doing it. It's not anxiety. They just never were taught how to be home alone. So now they're tearing up the pillows and <laughs> moving the furniture all around because they don't like the way it is and... Having pizza delivered to the house. <laughs> and, and they're doing all that because they were never taught, uh, when they go away, just kind of go asleep. I mean, they were never taught to do that. Uh, so that's one reason why I like the crate. Another is, would you leave a two-year-old home alone wandering around the house? Hell no. No. <laughs> I don't think so. So it's the same with a young puppy. They don't know not to chew on wires because right, right. they could be electrocuted. They don't know not to chew on that plant because that can make them really sick. It's not that they ever learn the consequences like a child would, because a dog or a cat, incidentally, a kitten, they cannot learn those things per se. But what they do learn to do, again, is mostly just go to sleep when you're not there or maybe play with a toy, an appropriate toy, when you're not there. But then they don't do those other things because they never previously did. Right. 
This is so awesome, Steve. Thank you so thank you so much for um we're gonna this is not something you can really tackle in, in one episode, so we'll have to have you back again. But we're we're thrilled to have you to talk about this and um I'm glad that we, we finally did broach the subject of pets because Everyone has one, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> well, we're going to change that. So I will keep coming on until you do get one. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Steve Dale. You travel all over the country talking about pets, and we really appreciate your time. Your website is stevedalepetworld.com. Is that correct? I think so, yes. And on Facebook, are you, do you have a big Facebook presence, too? Do you want to look up Steve Dale on Facebook? I do, and I'm shocked. That you two are not on my Facebook fan page. And also through my website, which you previously mentioned, stevedalepetworld.com, you can order the newsletter, which comes out, I don't know, once every couple of weeks. Okay. And, of course, it is absolutely what it should be, and that is free. Thank oh, you great. so much, Steve. We really appreciate it. Happy holidays. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> so, apparently... Pets can really enrich our lives. Mm-hmm. And hopefully by talking about what you need to do to bring a pet into the household was helpful. Yeah. And I'm I- still not doing it, but I, but I'm sure it'll be very helpful to everybody else that well, has one. And I, you know, I complained a lot about our, our pet situations, but I, there's nothing, there are few things that are as touching as when we come inside and my girls, you know, embrace Zoe and she's so excited to see them or when we're all watching TV sure. and she comes and she sits right next to us and sort of paws at us to try and get us to you know to pet her um there's a lot of love there and he's he hit the nail on the head with the empathy thing there's right. actually news reports and research based on the fact that having a pet actually like extends your life and yep. and it makes you happiness. think about someone other than yourself yes. which is yeah so so um, I'm so glad that we talked about how to train it, the costs that are associated with it and whatever, so that everyone has a successful experience, Absolutely. right? Yep. So we'd love for you to share our podcast with others. Um, please go on iTunes. I know it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is. So please go on and like us on Facebook, share it out and let everyone know uh, that we're in season five. And so there's some other seasons before this too. So if you if you're jumping in late, you can go back to the. That's the beauty of stuff. podcasts. You can pick and choose when you want to, which one you want to listen to. Exactly, and leave a review. We really want to hear what you think. And if you have questions, and if you have comments or topics you want, call us at three three one seven zero four zero zero four six and email us at apparentlypodcast at gmail dot com. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Tracy Weiner. And I'm Ann Johnsos. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it.